this will be an election of Kavanaugh, the caravan, law and order, and common sense. That's what it's going to be. With two weeks to go before the midterms, Democrats and Republicans are sprinting to the finish line. Polling shows that Democrats are holding a sizable edge right now, but as we know, anything can happen between now and Election Day. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Join me now with a look at the state of play for the midterms is Bloomberg News Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief Craig Gordon. Craig, thanks for joining us. Sure thing. So let's just start off right away. What's the most recent polling tell us? Well, Quinnipiac uh, poll, a very well-respected poll out of Connecticut, has uh, some interesting news from the Florida Senate race where they have the incumbent Senator Bill Nelson uh, up over the current governor, Rick Scott, uh, the Republican. So that's Democrat Bill Nelson uh, showing 52% to Bill uh, Rick Scott's 46%. Why this is significant is because Scott in earlier polls had been leading, and this was viewed as one of the main areas where Republicans could pick up a seat in the U.S. Senate that was currently being held by a Democrat. Um, Bill Nelson's been the senator for a while now, but Rick Scott, uh, governor now down there for some years, and has done a pretty good job. I think most people think he's done actually a pretty good job in the state. Of course, recently had to deal with Hurricane Michael, and they're, you know, not to be crass about it, but uh, a lot of times when you have something like that, a natural disaster, if the state is viewed as doing a good job, the governor, in this case, Rick Scott, gets the credit, uh, looks good on TV, you know, wearing a ball cap and all that kind of thing. But in this case, at least per the Quinnipiac poll, it doesn't seem be giving Rick Scott much help. This would be, if this poll holds and, and Bill Nelson were to hang on, this would be enormously good news for the Democrats because if Rick Scott can beat Bill Nelson, it almost entirely closes off the Democrats' path yeah. for taking over the Senate. And that was good news for Democrats in Florida, but also some good news over this weekend uh, from an NBC Wall Street Journal poll that also had some nice numbers uh, that Democrats are happy about, right? Yeah, and there again, that was a poll that uh, a common question around now because there's so many different races, 435 individual House members, 30-some senators. Pollsters often ask what's called a generic ballot question. It sort of goes like, you know, who would you rather have running the House of Representatives, the Democrats or the Republicans? So you're not putting a name to it. Donald Trump's name isn't in there. It's just how do you generally feel about Democrats versus how do you generally feel about Republicans? But it's actually been a very accurate predictor of, of these midterm races because it's sort of they're hard to poll otherwise. Good news for the Democrats is that likely voters found uh, they gave the Democrats a 9% percentage point edge in, you know, who they would rather see essentially running Congress. Um, important for two reasons. That's a pretty good spread, almost 10 points. And also, you know, likely voters, uh, you know, that means people that are likely to show up to vote. Mm-hmm. They, they often ask, you know, just sort of registered voters, and that's a different that's a different measure. So if you're a Democrat, you know, again, a nearly 10 percentage point edge heading into uh, the midterms in a couple of weeks for your party is, is terrific news, especially as we start to close in on, uh, on Election Day. Another stat that came from that poll, well, like three different stats, actually, was how well Democrats are doing with all women voters, with Latina voters, and with young voters between the 18 of 34. Now, that's a very important block, isn't it? That is the Democratic base. You just named it. It's women. It tends to be younger voters and uh, and uh, Hispanic and African-American voters as well. Um, that is who elects Democrats. That's who votes for Democrats. That's the Democratic Party is, is pitching its appeal to. So for those three groups in particular to be giving them high marks at, at this moment, um, again, particularly important and particularly good news if you're a Democrat. But how do they then, two weeks from now, make sure those people get out to vote? 
Yeah, and look, that is the paradox of all this, right? Um, you know, women go out to vote, they vote a little bit more than men. That's not usually not a big problem. It's those younger voters, that 18 to 34 cohort, um, and uh, Hispanic voters in particular. These are groups that, you know, these are midterm elections. I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit of a, of a political wonk to be paying even attention <laughs> that there is an election, uh, whether, you know, we all know the stakes are very high this year in particular. But, um, you know, really it is a matter of it's their local races. They're not particularly famous names necessarily on the ballot versus, say, a presidential, or you've got a Donald Trump and a Hillary Clinton. Most people may not even know who their member of Congress is or even their senator. And so you're really, it's very tricky to, to reach these people, even though they would tell a pollster who calls them on the phone or, you know, through a survey. Yeah, no, I'd probably vote for the Democrat if, you know, all things being equal. It's then actually getting up on Election Day, dragging yourself to the polling place, you know, pulling the lever and whatnot. So the the effort right now, it's a little cliche in politics, it's all about turnout, but it's actually true. It is literally which party, especially in an off-year election where there's not necessarily a huge amount of motivation um, to get out and vote, who can literally drag their voters to the polls? And when I say drag the voters to the polls, I mean literally they run vans, they go to people's houses, they knock on doors, they often ride to the polls, they often ride home. I mean, they're literally, you know, if you get your person to the poll and you think they're going to vote Democratic, well, that that's time well spent and, a, and an effort that they think could help them take the House. So what is the GOP, and maybe more specifically, what is President Donald Trump doing to combat this possibly looming blue wave? Well, in a lot of ways, Donald Trump is doing the exact same thing he did in 2016, which is, in a sense, trying to scare people. And look, fear is a very powerful motivator in politics. I'm not saying that in any negative way. I'm just saying his playbook is much more, look, the Democratic playbook, spoken or unspoken, is we need, we need to stop Donald Trump. And if you give us the House or maybe even the Senate, probably less likely, then we can be, you know, end one-party government in Washington. We can be a check on Donald Trump. And for Democrats, again, that's a really important motivator. For Donald Trump, he, he's relying on most of the same issues he used in 2016. Donald Trump is the president today because he ran on immigration. He ran on building a border wall, and he ran on a Muslim ban, uh, you know, banning Muslim people from Muslim countries. Um, the wall isn't built yet, and the ban got rolled back a little bit, though parts of it still exist. So that was a way to speak to voters, you know, in kind of middle America that were a little bit worried about seeing all the different changing demographics in the country and the fear factor that Trump was able to say, like, you know, make America great again. We're sort of losing our country. A lot of people think there's a very not-so-subtle racial message in there. I'll let listeners decide how mm -hmm. they feel about that. But again, as a political message, he was speaking directly to people about a fear that they you know, feel very much in their in their day-to-day -day lives. And right now, Donald Trump has a really big thing that's helping him, which is this caravan of, uh, of, of migrants you know, uh, heading toward the U.S. border uh, up from Central America through Mexico and there. You know, you're, you're hearing him talk on his appearances a lot about this caravan and all mm -hmm. the people that are going to come here and try to crash our border and come across Timing is everything in politics, and the timing of this couldn't be better. These folks would, if they were to make it all the way to the Rio Grande, it'd probably be the next week or so, right on the cusp of the election. But what happens if they do make it all the way to the U.S.-Mexican border, and we start seeing those images again of, of families being separated, uh, children in, in camps? Is that going to hurt Donald Trump possibly, though? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's again like who who can who can sort of uh, you know maximize the message for if you're a if you're a member of the Democratic Party, this feels to you like one of the excesses of Donald Trump. You know, again, I'm not saying Democrats want people to overrun our borders, but most people want a more what you would call sensible immigration policy. Let's be humane to these people. Let's treat them with dignity and fairness, and like you know sort them out. If we have to send them home, we'll send them home. But let's you know have a good process. I think. Trump is betting on a lot of his voters believing 
oh my gosh, you know, here comes another invading horde and we have to stop them. And if, it, if it's a little rough and they're breaking the law and we got to enforce that, well, that's just what you have to do to, you know, to sort of protect the sanctity of our borders. So, you know, each party would try to use those images to, to its advantage. And I think for right now, Trump feels like this is almost like a gift, you know, mm-hmm. that he's been handed the timing of this where he can really say, this is not an abstract thing, people coming across the border, onesies and twosies, this is literally 7,000 people marching their way to try to, to try to break through into the United States. I think for him, he thinks that's a very powerful motivator for his voters. You know, over the past few months, I think people have been trying to pinpoint what is going to be the main issues on Election Day. And just weeks ago, people were saying that it was going to be the Kavanaugh nomination, and that was going to sway voters. But really, we've gotten down to it's just the three basics of elections. It's the economy, it's immigration, and it's trade, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Don't forget health care is in there, too. And again, I think for each party, uh, different things matter in, in different ways. I think for a lot of Republican voters, as we saw with Trump's election in 2016, immigration is a huge issue. They're worried about it. They fear the sort of the character of the country is being eroded, and that's a, a very, like, almost a primal a primal fear that they have. I think for a lot of Democrats, that's less a less of a motivator, but things like um, health care, where they want to have, you know, perhaps a return to Obamacare, full Obamacare. They want to have a sense that, you know, one of the most prosperous nations on earth can provide health care for its citizens. Um, even the trade policy, I don't, I don't think too many Democrats, you know, you have some union folks that are still kind of anti-trade, but I think a lot of people have kind of made their peace with it. They understand that goods are cheaper, goods are more plentiful if there's trade, and they're sort of puzzled by why Trump is so, you know, sort of so upset about it. So the one issue that's been less of a factor in Trump's favor is actually the economy. We are living through a booming economy. Mm-hmm. Unemployment's at a 50-year low. Stock market's had some ups and downs in the past weeks, but overall the arrows are generally pointed up. Um, a pretty Still a pretty low interest rate environment. And yet Donald Trump doesn't seem to be getting enough credit for that, or in his mind enough credit, because I think right now most prognosticators prognosticators still think Democrats uh, have a very, very good chance to take the House. Looking at those economic numbers, that just shouldn't be happening, and yet it may, it may happen, and that speaks to how that uh, Trump has not been able to uh, capitalize on the good economy. And so you take the economy, you take immigration, you take Obamacare, as you just mentioned, and you take trade. Um, you have all of these things, but again, this will all boil down to a referendum on the president himself, and he's making a lot of appearance appearances this uh, midterm. I think up, you know, up, upwards of in the twenties. So, is he helping or hurting these candidates that he's going to to rally for? Well, ask me again on election day, and I'll give you the real answer. <laughs> but what's interesting to me is that you know, usually when you have somebody like the president of the United States, you you deploy that weapon very in a very strategic and a very targeted way. Uh, usually, traditionally, you would not send the president into a race that you're probably going to lose, and he's done it a couple of times in, in recent times. He's been to Montana. I think the the Democratic senator there, John Tester, probably wins his race. So there's a race where Trump, you know, campaigned and and uh, and showed up and and may lose. And Nevada is another one where uh, where Dean Heller's in, in pretty deep trouble on the Republican side. So usually, you would not associate your your best weapon with with races that are that are likely to be lost. You would send it to places where you have a really good chance to win. One of the those rallies being right in Houston, Texas, where uh, where mm-hmm. Donald Trump is going to uh, in support of uh, Ted Cruz. I know Beto O'Rourke is kind of a is kind of a darling of the Democratic Party right now. Some people even say he might run for president in 2020, even if he loses the Senate race. Definitely a very appealing, you know, for a lot of Democrats, attractive candidate. Most of the polls show Ted Cruz is probably going to win that one, um, and so Trump can go to there. And then when Ted Cruz wins, he can say, "See, I got you that win, Ted." So that's the tricky part for Trump. He he feels like he's being a little uh, indiscriminate in in where he's going and maybe we shouldn't be shocked by that because Trump 
not generally very discriminate about his decision making sometimes, <laughs> but you know that politically, some of us who've been coming this a long time, have, I've been a little puzzled at why they're sending him all these places. And I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, whatever you think of Donald Trump, he he has he believes in himself. You know, he believes that you know he could sit across the table from anybody and make the sale. I think he thinks he goes to a Montana, he goes to Nevada, and he can convince those people that the Republicans are better candidates than Democrat, even though the polls might show differently. And he he believes that he can he can close that sale. I think the results are going to be different on election day, but we'll see. If he believes he can close the sale, as you say, on these races, what happens if if he loses? Is he ready to take responsibility if, say, the House uh, goes to Democrats? I mean, Donald Trump has already told us that it won't be his fault if they lose, that it will be up to each individual candidate, um, that they you know, didn't run the race they should have run, and he's doing the best he can, but don't blame him um, if it all goes south, especially in the House, where, as I say, a lot of folks think Democrats still have a pretty good chance to, uh, to take control from the Republicans. So, again, uh, if you love Donald Trump, that's the never-say-die part of Trump you love, and if you're not a big fan, you might say, you know, geez, you showed up in all these places. You have to take a little bit of responsibility. I would expect Donald Trump to take zero responsibility if the election goes against uh, Republicans. Bloomberg News Washington Bureau Chief Craig Gordon, thank you. Sure thing. Make sure to follow Craig on Twitter. He's at D. Craig Gordon. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening. And please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you get all your updates 24 7 at TikTok.